I think my house may be haunted. The FTC looks into what your ISP and cell providers know about you. Facebook jumps off the facial recognition bandwagon and much, much more on today's episode of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 161 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And yes, I think maybe the house is haunted. I mean, we've been in here for a while, for years, but all of a sudden it seems a little bit haunted. And I know we just had Halloween, so that kind of adds to the fun, I suppose. We had the kitchen drain, which decided it did no longer want to drain, which I mean, that happens every now and then. And we've had it rotted out before. Didn't seem like that long ago within the last couple of years. And I've been careful. You know, you don't throw bacon grease down or any kind of grease. You don't throw a lot of crap down because we don't have a garbage disposal because every plumber we ever talked to is like, no, those are Satan. and. Now it backed up again, and I would pour about a pot's worth of water down because you'd heat it up because hot water sometimes, if it's just a little grease, would flush it through. So I would do about a pot of water, and that would immediately back up. There was no question it was soon after it went into the wall, at least the first clog, if there are multiple clogs, was right after it went into the wall. And I know just enough to be dangerous, which means I took off the P-trap, took off the pipes underneath the sink that fed into the back of the wall to where it goes into the rest of the drain, which then goes into the basement to the sewer line. But it seemed like it had to be right after it went into the wall by the amount of water that would go in. So I got a cheap 25-footer Chinese snake off of Amazon and put that into the wall. All 20, 25 feet, nothing. Came back clean. Not a problem. Nothing at all. Put the pipes back on. Was backing up again. Okay. I believe there's a vent right after it goes into the wall. So anything but a professional machine, I don't think, is uh, really easily fed through where the clog forms because. The way everything's run, I think it just turns a bunch of times right after it goes into the wall, which is a bad idea. But again, not really putting grease down, always running copious amounts of hot water, running the bio clean or whatever it's called through there, which is some little bacteria or something. You know, you mix it in a cup and five days in a row, you pour it down there. Then once a month, you do it and you pour it down there. And allegedly, this is some little microorganism that likes to eat grease and all that kind of stuff. And that didn't help. So I was a little concerned because, you know, the snake came back clean, been doing that and hot water didn't help. My buddy NetNed said, well, there's this stuff you could buy at Home Depot. Very serious stuff. It clears everything no matter what. So I tried that. Didn't work. Didn't work at all. At least not on the kitchen sink. The bathroom was going a little slow. My wife poured some down the tub and down her sink 
So anything that is hair or something in it, man, clear it right out. The kitchen sink, though, not so much, which is why the professionals were called in. And that's clear, hopefully for more than a year or two now. Just stop using the kitchen sink. Just start throwing everything in the backyard would probably be a lot easier. But then I start having audio issues, which started with what was kind of a power surge or the power flicking on and off. It was a weird thing because we were having a storm. And when the power clicked on and off, the subwoofer of the speakers that I have on the computer that I'm recording on right now made a sound that I've never heard before. It was about a two or three seconds, just, and it was like, wow, that didn't sound good. And then I uh, tested it out shortly after that. And it's like, well, this just doesn't sound right. I'm like, damn, this old 10, 15 year old speaker system, which has served me well, probably blew out. So I decided to order a new set of speakers and that showed up in the mail. And I unhooked the old ones and hooked the new ones in, which would be a really simple thing if everything wasn't being run behind a desk. So it was a real pain to switch out the systems. The subwoofer sits underneath my desk, turned on everything. and It was like, this still sounds like crap. So then I assumed that it got the sound card on my computer system. So I found an old like $20 USB sound card that only had Windows 7 drivers, and I hooked that up with the optical cable that I had, and that sounded great. So I'm like, okay, so it's not the speakers. So that's a plus. The speakers can go back to Amazon. And then what I eventually realized was it wasn't even the sound card that had somehow gone bad. It was the 3.5 millimeter cables that connect the sound card to the speakers and the chance of one of those cables going bad for no apparent reason next to nothing i mean there's nothing in those things that really could fail unless you're physically abusing them it's a very simple connection but all right then i'm using my motu during a live stream the other day and that starts crackling and it dropped out and i rebooted everything and it seemed to be okay And then when I started doing the latest edition of Planet Rage with my buddy Larry yesterday, all sorts of weird stuff started happening. And I'm like, okay, now what's going on? Is the Motu dying? What are the odds of that? But I removed the USB cable from the port on the back of my machine and plugged it into the front. Everything seemed to work. And I'm like, okay, maybe the port on the back of the Dell desktop just went bad. And I barely touched the cable. And everything just crapped out, went all to static and all that. I'm like, oh, the USB cable went bad. I found another cheap USB cable because these are the old weird kind of size USB that the printers still use, I think. And found another one, replaced the cable. Everything's absolutely fine. So, yes, it's been a weird week this Halloween week where, okay, the sink I kind of get. A little bit more so than the other two, because that happens every now and then. But having a USB cable and a three and a half millimeter, just straight audio cable go bad at the same time, the universe is really sending me a message, I think. I'm not sure what that message is, except keep more cables on hand, I suppose. 
But I'm hoping moving on now that Halloween's over, that all of the weird stuff is gone and you'll actually be able to hear me when I'm doing the podcast rather than everything cutting out. Because if the Motu would have died, it would have been like right after the warranty had run out. And that's what happens with a lot of these devices. But the Motu, I always thought was pretty powerful and stable. So knock on whatever press board we have here and hope that this thing holds up. And this was all just a very strange oddity of multiple cables dying at the same time. But the world keeps turning and a story that caught my eye was a new FTC report. Now, this is something I don't remember happening, although I maybe have covered it, but uh, the FTC, which is what the Federal Trade Commission is now in charge of monitoring what your ISPs and cell phone providers collect about you. This used to be the FCC, but now it is the FTC. Seemed like the FCC may take this over again, but right now this is the FTC that released a report that shows what your ISPs, which would be your Comcast, your AT&T, whatever is connecting your home internet to the world, as well as your cell phone providers, which could be anything, including Comcast, could be AT&T, could be Verizon, all that. What they collect about you data wise when you're using their services. It says for this report, the FTC requested information from AT&T, Verizon Wireless, Charter, Comcast's Xfinity, Alphabet Inc.'s Google Fiber, and T-Mobile, as well as advertising firms that are associated with AT&T and Verizon. What they found was there was information being collected by your ISP and your cell phone providers that included your browsing history, what content you stream, so what you're watching on YouTube or Amazon or Hulu or whatever service you may have, your real-time location, as well as things such as your race and sexual orientation. And I don't know. This article did not really explain. This was on Cyber News, how they're collecting that information. As far as I know, Comcast, AT&T, and those aren't asking you, hey, you want some service? What is the color of your skin? Uh, What's your sexual preference? So I don't know if they are just getting this information from other sources. If they are trying to piece this together by putting you into a box and trying to figure out, well, if they go to this site, this site, and this site, hey, definitely gay or definitely white or definitely black. I don't know. But it is information that they seem to be interested in collecting because that kind of data about anybody is very valuable to advertisers. So if you're on an ISP that is less than completely on the up and up, they might be sharing all of the data about everything you do on the internet with advertisers. Sure, they'll tell you they scrub it and nobody can identify you, but I know we've talked about that before either here 
or on Grumpy Old Ben's or somewhere else that I've talked about this stuff because this has been at the forefront in the news, especially as of late. The amount of information being collected about you is quite staggering. Now, some ISPs have a set period of time and some just will hold this data indefinitely, which means there is a treasure trove of information about you that your ISPs may or may not have. There are some ISPs that claim to give you the ability to opt out of such tracking. Not every ISP offers that, but the ones that do also don't make it easy again because they are making money being able to have that data about you and sell that to advertisers. Now, there's not a whole lot you can do because you have to trust somebody with this data, with this information. You can run through a VPN, and if you have a VPN that you trust more than your ISP, there are some cheap solutions to that, like NordVPN or Mulvad VPN and others, that instead of your ISP being the traffic cop and seeing everything that you're doing, then the VPN sees that. Now, the VPN services are often only, you know, five bucks a month or so. So, again, you have to question whether they're not taking all your data and using that to make money. And this is the problem where you can roll your own. And if you roll your own VPN, that basically would mean if you're on your cell phone, it would run it through your home connection. But then you can still be tracked through your home connection, which is why I love the device which the company went defunct already, which is quite sad because it's something that I think is greatly needed with the internet as it sits now, which was the Winston privacy device, which still works. So that is good, but it was a little physical device that you hook up to your internet connection at your home and it takes the data and it scrambles it. So if there's a bunch of people using these devices for web surfing, it doesn't do this for streaming because that would be a lot of bandwidth. But if you're just going, say, to the you know Fox News or CNN homepage, that traffic may be routed through another one of these devices from another customer who, of course, is in a different city in a different state, which makes it hard for anybody to put together any kind of accurate look at who is using that connection, that device, or whatever. But that is not what most people have. And when you're just sitting on the internet, especially when you only have one or two people in the house or something like that, and of course for the cell phone even more so, usually it's only one person using a phone, you can get a very accurate picture of who is using that phone if you're able to track what apps they're using what their GPS location is, what websites they're going to. It is a treasure trove of information, and there's no doubt it is worth a lot of money to the ISPs. According to the Cyber News article, quote, Comcast has said that it does not track what websites users visit or apps that consumers use on broadband connections, but Google and Verizon declined comment while the others did not immediately respond to a request. So I guess I'll at least applaud Xfinity slash Comcast 
for responding for a comment for this article and saying they don't track what websites users visit or apps that they use. Is that true? I don't know. You don't know. Most people probably that work for Xfinity don't really know the truth. We know they have the ability to do it, but hopefully they are being honest. And then you have to wonder why. No comment from other big boys like Google and Verizon. That's kind of a uh, scary thing there. If you're a Google or Verizon user, that maybe all your data is being used because they don't even want to respond because you could respond and say, no, we don't. Or yes, we do. The ISPs being, again, your entry point for the Internet, everything that you do goes through your ISP or it goes through your cell phone provider. They have massive amounts of data on you. And there's really nothing you can do about it except use VPNs, which, of course, you may just be moving that down the line, kicking the can down the line, as they would say, which is then your ISP can't see what you're doing, but then the other company can. So it's a question of who you trust, who you don't trust. Devices like the Winston privacy device were genius, and I'm sure there's probably more of those out there. I need to look into that because that is a really cool concept to be able to shuffle your traffic around in real time as it's being used, which gives you a lot of plausible deniability because it's like, well, this came from your ISP and you're like, yeah, but I got one of these Winston privacy devices, which are absolutely legally used. And who knows whose traffic was routed through my machine at that particular point? You don't know. And that's the beauty of the Winston privacy device and those kind of systems, which is you cannot track down where the traffic came from because there are no logs to show. Now, where there were a bunch of logs, and this is a very interesting story to me, especially now that Facebook is changing their name to Meta, or maybe they're not. The Meta name, I guess, was already taken by a small computer company and was only registered about a year or so ago. So you have to really wonder. If the people at Facebook were looking into this like a year ago and were like, yeah, nobody's using the name. Cool. And then they didn't check again before they decided to announce to the world that they were now going to be called Meta. And this little company said uh, they're not going to sell the name to Facebook for anything under 20 million, which to me, that seems like uh, chump change for what Facebook is throwing out there. I'd probably hold out for more. But Facebook slash Meta or whatever you want to call them is making a massive change to how they deal with facial recognition on their platform. Now, this has been a big deal. This has been a big story over the last decade because this is a feature that Facebook had that freaked everybody out. And it's still current, but it will soon be not current, which is if you show up, in somebody else's photos or something like that, it will suggest who to tag the person in the photo as. Meaning, if you're just walking down the street randomly and you're John Doe and somebody takes a picture and you end up being in that picture, when they upload that picture to Facebook and Facebook's like, hey, of course you want to tag everybody that's in this picture and you're just in the background, you're John Doe, you don't even know the person uploading the photo. They'll be like, hey, this looks like it's John Doe. Would you like to tag it as such? So it's an interesting concept for the privacy world 
on if there is such a thing as privacy anymore now that facial recognition has the ability to identify people and do it pretty well. Now, it will no longer tag people that appear in photos. And according to Facebook slash Meta, they're also going to be deleting billions of records that they have collected. And I'm dubious about that. They're still going to use facial recognition for other things like proving it's you or whatever, but they're not going to do it anymore with the photos that are just popping up on your account in your timeline. According to an article in the Hacker News, quote, Facebook's discontinuing of the program comes in the wake of sustained privacy and ethical concerns raised by the use of facial recognition that could be abused to target marginalized communities, furthering racial bias and normalizing intrusive surveillance, leading to government bans across a number of cities in the U.S., such as Boston, San Francisco, New Orleans, Minneapolis, among others. In May 2021, Amazon announced it would indefinitely extend a moratorium on law enforcement's use of its facial recognition systems. Now, there's a bunch of different things in play here. One, the concept that facial recognition is going to abuse and target marginalized communities. Simply not true. Simply not true. The reality of facial recognition, at least as it sits today, is if you're a white guy, way more likely to be able to identify you than if you're a black guy, because the AI has problems with darker color skin and being able to get a read on the accuracy that it needs to be able to say with pretty decent accuracy anyway, that the person you're seeing in this photo is probably this person. So I don't believe that for a minute. And the fact that Amazon is saying, well, we're not going to let law enforcement use this. This is virtue signaling. And it's a bunch of crap as well, because it is definitely a tool that can be used for things, which I'm surprised this isn't at the forefront of the January 6th incident at the Capitol. But if it is, then it's also going to be at the forefront of all the people who were rioting and looting during the George Floyd protests. And this is where the politicization comes in and things start going down the rabbit hole because it's really inconvenient when you have the technology to be able to easily and accurately identify people in a large group who are doing bad things and whether or not you want those people to be caught and punished. I don't believe for a minute that law enforcement is going to stop using facial recognition. I mean, sure, maybe Amazon is going to stop them from using their system, but for how long and why and what's the point? Everybody seems to be waiting on governments to come up with a law about this or some kind of regulation or some kind of guidebook on what should and should not be done. But the genie's out of the bottle. This technology is out there. It is in the hands of normal people. So you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Facial recognition is out there. And it's an interesting argument to be made 
for when law enforcement say can use facial recognition and where it can't. Now we know right now we're dealing with a huge epidemic of crime in cities like San Francisco and Chicago, New York, and other places where shoplifting has become the norm. People aren't being prosecuted. People aren't being caught because they're not going to be prosecuted. And there's cameras in a lot of these stores. So if you could identify somebody that's stealing, oh, well, those those liberal district attorneys that don't want to prosecute them, they don't want you to use that technology to figure out who they are. But the question then becomes, is there a bar where we say, well, you know, we don't want to use facial recognition to catch somebody for shoplifting at the Target. But what if they rape somebody in the parking lot at the Target? Now, do we want to use facial recognition to catch that person? I mean, I think we probably would because it's a tool that we have. But this is where the regulation, this is where the governments need to step up and be like, well, this is where we can and cannot use this. I would think it would be in the public's best interest to use facial recognition in a way that would make sense. I mean, there has to be some kind of a bar. Otherwise, everybody's going to be tracked doing everything, although that's kind of happening already. Thanks to your cell phones that we talked about earlier, that they have all the information. So who are we hiding what from? Whether it's your ISP or whether it's Facebook, the Hacker News article again says, quote, the company said it's making the change because of a need to weigh the positive use cases for facial recognition against growing societal concerns especially as regulators have yet to provide clear rules. That said, Facebook said it will maintain the use of face recognition and services that help people gain access to a locked account, verify their identity and financial products, or to unlock their personal device. So yeah, Facebook is saying exactly what I just said, which is we, we need the regulators. We need them to tell us there's societal concerns that the facial recognition can be used in a bad way. And for the people on the left, a bad way means that criminals might get caught and be able to be identified. And according to Facebook, and this is just the most racist thing ever when you're saying, well, we think that uh, the, uh, the minorities are going to be heavily targeted. It's kind of saying we know the minorities are the ones that commit more crime. That's what they're saying, not what I'm saying. Because the real privacy concept in all of this for me would be what you're doing with information for people that are just going about their day-to-day -day lives and not committing crimes because being tracked all the time is not a good thing. Again, like your ISP collecting all that data, there's going to be a portfolio on you and that's going to be worth a lot of money because then advertisers can use that to sell you more targeted ads. But when it comes to this facial recognition stuff, I don't understand what good it's going to do that Facebook slash meta is not going to automatically tag people in their photos. I mean, you should be able to opt yourself out of this if you want to. But the reality is, even if you opt yourself out of that, there are other services that are already out there. The genie's out of the bottle. There are services that you can use, including Bing.com, to do visual searches. If you've never tried this, it's very interesting, where you can take a photo, 
you either give bing.com or whatever other service you're using the address to it, or you can upload the photo if you have it on your machine locally. And it will take a look at the photo. And usually there's something you can click that's like, well, do a visual search. And you could often crop just to a smaller part of the image and do a visual search for something that matches what is in the image that you just uploaded, which makes it easy if somebody is using copyrighted artwork. But it also does a really good job of recognizing faces, which means if you upload a photo of somebody and crop it just to their face and do a visual search, you will often find photos of that person that are different, you know, different photos, not the same photo. You'll find other photos of that person or people that look a lot like them, which are available online for things like bing.com to index. So Facebook jumping off this train, I don't know if that's really going to do anything when there are a multitude of other services already providing this. Governments are going to start coming out. I have no doubt at all that governments are going to start coming out at some point or another saying this technology is bad and shouldn't be used and it'll be blocked in certain areas, but it's not going to be blocked worldwide. And anything that's available on the internet is available worldwide. So this is another one of those cases where there is not a whole lot you can do to make sure your image is not being used, that people can't search for you. This is a very scary thing when you think about it. I mean, you run into somebody, you know, you see somebody at a ball game out at the mall, if people still go to the mall, but you're out in public, you know, and you see that really cute guy or that really cute girl. So you just take a picture without them knowing. Then you go and you upload it and go, hey, tell me more. And it'll run a search. And there's a really good chance you'll be able to find a match for that person just based upon their image. And that technology is getting better and better and better every single day. So privacy, when it comes to that kind of thing, it's a scary thing, which is why uploading your photo to the Internet, probably a really bad idea. Uploading a ton of photos, even worse idea. Using your real name, bad idea. Although the UK, as we've talked about, wants to force people to start using their real name on things like social media. The more you can do to separate your reality from your social media accounts, the better. Don't upload a lot of pictures. Don't use your real name. Avoid all that kind of stuff if you can, because you never know how somebody is searching for you. And it could be as simple as taking a photo of you and putting that through one of these services, and it'll spit out exactly what they're looking for. You just have to be aware of this. Same thing with what kind of information your ISPs are collecting. Same thing. When it comes down to what social media is using your data for, what things like Gmail are using your data for. If you're not paying for a service, most of the time you are the product. You are being used. Your data is being used to make that company money and opt in if you want. But just be aware of the negative side of this and what kind of problems that it can cause you. And at least then you have a fighting chance. Now, all that information, is that worth something to you? We do work on the value for value model here, which means we put these podcasts out there. There's no paywall, and it's up to you if you got some kind of value out of the podcast to get some value back to us. 
by going to random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate and clicking the donate button using one of the crypto addresses or the snail mail address. If that is your thing, we do have a few people to thank today, including coming in at $15 via the U.S. Postal Service. You're a brave man, sir. It's Chudakuki who came in with a much appreciated donation that was split between this show, Planet Rage, which I do with Larry Blydner, the unrelenting show that I do with Sir Gene and the Rock and Roll pre-show. So it is a one-stop shop, and we appreciate that as well as you listening to all those shows, because I know I can go on and on and on. So it is always a big thing to me when people give me their time to listen to these shows. And of course, Chudakuki always comes in with some good requests on the rock and roll pre-show. And we appreciate you listening here to the Random Thoughts podcast as well. Also, our buddy Stu Coates coming in with the monthly $6.66 donation. I'm blaming you, Stu. Now I understand why my house is haunted. Now I know why my kitchen drain backed up, why my USB cable freaked out, why my little three and a half millimeter audio cable all freaked out at the same time. It's that 666 donation. You are summoning something bad, something evil from the deep. I need to uh, get some holy water. Who has holy water? Is it garlic we need to? We need to do something to, uh, to get the evil spirits out of here. But we appreciate your support for the show. It is greatly appreciated at the $6.66 a month donation level, which you find a number that means something to you. And I'm not questioning Stu and why he's coming in at $6.66. I'm just appreciating it. And coming in from Patreon, which we don't have any extra content over there yet. I might set up a Locals. Now that Locals has been purchased by the people that own Rumble, but the Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com slash random thoughts, it's just there. If you're in that ecosystem, it's another easy way to donate. And coming in with the monthly $5, our buddy Brian Janak and Dennis Woods, also with $5 a month, all very much appreciated, especially as we're coming closer now to the holiday season. The amount of shopping days you have until Christmas is like zero. Thanks to Joe Biden and the supply chain issues. Zero. Get your Christmas shopping done now. I know some people think that's a scam, but I'm already seeing things running out on sites like Lego.com. Thanks to my wife's addiction to the Lego and Amazon.com. It is a strange Christmas season, and I am not trying to make you spend more money. I'm just saying spend your money now. If you're buying gifts to make sure you can get them before the holiday season gets here. We thank everybody for donating to this show. We thank everybody for listening to the show, giving us your time. If you have any questions, comments, or criticisms, you can reach out to me, Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com on Twitter at Darren O'Neill or on Mastodon. You can catch me at Darren O'Neill at noagendasocial.com. Always enjoy getting comments on this show and the others. It helps us guide these into the right general direction for what you want to hear more of. With that said, I will be back next Wednesday with another edition of the Random Thoughts Podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening.